you are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. We've got a lot to dive into over these next couple of weeks as we build up to the NBA draft, which is going to be coming, and then it sounds like... We are getting a season on December 22nd, so we are going to jump right into free agency after that and then get right into training camp and then the start of the next NBA season. We're less than two months away. We're like basically a month away, it feels like a month and a week or so. So the draft is coming up in nine days. Let's really start to dive into that even a little bit more so than what we've already done. We're going to kick off today's show talking about the draft in general, why it's a little bit weird. I want to look at a big prospect. We haven't talked about many big men yet, but there's one I do have my eye on that should be available to the Pelicans at 13. And then I want to dive in a little bit to some of my thought process on some of the mock draft stuff that I've been doing. So we'll get into that in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So by all accounts, this is a bit of a strange NBA draft. These guys haven't played meaningful basketball since January, February, March, maybe some of them, but a lot of them haven't really gotten any sort of game action. And by meaningful basketball, I don't mean just like pickup games and they might not have been doing a ton of that either. You know, like organized basketball activities have been limited in the COVID world currently. So these rookies are going to be coming in, and I'm, I've said it on the record here, I think this is going to be a pretty rough rookie class that potentially has their development stunted to some degree. These guys are going to get drafted. Within a week, they're going to be on NBA training camp rosters, but then free agency starts, players are coming in and out. And if you're an assistant coach or the head coach or any of the development staff, anything like that, right? Are you working with the rookies or are you going to be trying to integrate and get your starters up to speed, your role, your rotation players and your role players up to speed? And maybe some of the rookie development goes by the wayside. Maybe they have their growth stunted, um, stunted to their growth stunted to some degree. There we go. And yeah, it leads to a kind of down rookie year, I think, for a lot of these guys. They should be fine in the long term, but. I don't know if they're going to make a huge impact this year on top of not playing basketball, no summer league, no instruction, all of that stuff doesn't make for a really great rookie class. So all of that said, in our Lockdown NBA mock draft that we're doing, which will be on the Lockdown NBA show and run over in the week leading up to the draft, why did I try and trade up a little bit, right? And I did. For the Pelicans at 13, they're in a good spot in general, I think. I think there's a lot of value to be had from like, 13, in that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 range, all the way to 20 potentially, but really that 10 to 15 range, I think there's a lot of value in this draft to get like a solid player. Are they going to have the highest ceiling? No. Are they ever going to be, you know, when you draft a guy there, are you being like, oh yeah, he could be an NBA all-star? Not a chance. And I made my selection and I'll wait to, to tell you what that all was, but I think you can get a solid guy if you get your fourth or fifth best starter. At 13 in this draft, you're going to feel really good. And yet still, I tried to move up a little bit. But part of that is because the Pelicans, don't forget, have three, three second round picks. This is not an organization that I see wanting to come in with four more rookies on the roster or two rookies and two draft and stashes or three rookies and two draft and stashes. That doesn't seem like what New Orleans would like 
to do whatsoever. They have the 39th pick, the 42nd pick, and the 60th pick in the second round. So some of those second round picks aren't bad. At uh, 39, it's okay. 42 is great. Maybe you can package those and move up in the second round to Dallas's spot at 31 or to Charlotte's spot at 32, where they maybe just want to add a bunch of young players to, to their roster. I wouldn't be shocked if New Orleans does it. But with those second round picks, if you can package them to move up a little bit, I do think even in the first round, there's some value with that. This team isn't going to jump into the top four. Don't really see them jumping into the top five. Maybe six, maybe seven or eight would, or seven to Detroit is probably the most likely spot. I don't know if Detroit likes where they are at seven. But all that said, it's probably still not like the smartest move. I would not be trading future first to move up to try and grab a guy. Then I've said, I'm high. I'm Killian Hayes, but let me play you some clips from Chad Ford, who who hosts the Chad Ford Big Board podcast here. Um, and Chad Ford, formerly of ESPN, is one of the best draft gurus out there. He's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm going to play one clip first for you about the top three in this draft. It's possible that a James Weisman might slip or a Lamella Ball might slip out of the top three. Most teams sort of see those three players as grouped together as the top players in the draft, the three candidates, if you will, for the number one pick in the draft. I have yet to hear a team talk about a fourth player that is a candidate to go number one uh, in this draft. And I think that's 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 telling. So if you're not trading up into the top three to kind of get one of the three guys that are the most like blue chip prospects in this, and even then they're not like that much of blue chippers, I don't think. It makes you feel a little weird trying to do it. And I I don't really think you should try and trade up in this draft unless you have three second round picks and you can package them all to move up three, four, five, six spots, something like that. That's like the only reason I can. And if the Pelicans didn't have a fairly full roster and already have so many young guys on the team, I don't think that would have been something that I was interested in doing. And once trade talks, trade talks, I put that in quotes with the other hosts kind of fell apart or there wasn't a ton of interest to do that. Well, then... I didn't really feel the need to try and reach out to other teams. In fact, I had teams trying to get me to trade down out of 13 and offer me other picks, but the picks were in this draft. I don't want another first round pick in this draft, to be perfectly honest with you all. I want it in future drafts, and I couldn't swing that sort of a deal. Killian Hayes is the guy I like, a guy I like the most that I think I could see New Orleans trying to trade up for and to try and get. I think he could add a lot to this team. But listen to what Chad Ford says about him. Much like in Tyrese Halliburton's case, a little bit eye of the beholder, um, he's got so many strengths going for him. And the big thing that you hear when you talk to scouts about Killian Hayes over and over again is just they love how much he has improved his game, how much he's worked on his game, how he's shown up and become a much better player over time. And when you look at young players, you want to see them evolving. You want to see them growing. You want to see them adding to their game. And there's just been so much of that for Killian Hayes uh, this year that if you want to talk yourself into Hayes, you talk yourself into now that he faces NBA-level competition, what sort of things and wrinkles is he going to add to his game? How is he going to adapt? And how much better could he be down the road because he's got the size, he excels with a ball in his hands, he's uh, you know, a really committed defender, he's got a high, he's a high character player. You know, that lack of like elite burst or bounce is is an issue. Uh, he's left-hand dominant, that's an issue. His shooting, it looks great, 
it doesn't always go in. And, you know, he shot around 30, uh, 30% from the field from three point uh, this year, but he was an 87% uh, free throw shooter. I think for, he might not even be the first international player off, uh, off the board uh, because uh, Denny uh, Avdia is, is a possibility to go ahead of him. But he's definitely going to be one of the top two international players off the board. And right now, we have him ranked slightly higher uh, uh, than Denny. So he says a number of good things about Killian Hayes there. You know, I, I like him as a prospect. I think he'd do really well here in New Orleans. But it's what he says at the beginning, which I find so interesting. Eye of the beholder. There's not a consensus on a guy like that. And if there isn't a consensus on a guy like that, it does make you wonder about moving up and giving other, other assets to try and get a guy like that. I think most of the players in this range are kind of eye of the beholder. You either really like him, you don't. Uh, and if you do, you'll draft him and you'll feel happy about it. And to others, they're going to be like, what the hell did that team do? And then the people that like it, they're going to be like, good, good pick. But sometimes... You just don't have a good consensus on this, and probably part of it is for how hard it is to scout the draft with the lack of the tournament to see some of these prospects in their biggest moments. And it just makes all of this, as we've been saying in this opening segment, really weird. Really, really weird draft, and I'm going to be anxious to see what happens on draft night. Coming up, there's a big man I do like for New Orleans in this draft, which is not something I had been saying a ton of. We'll get into who that is coming up here in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. You listen once a week, try listening twice a week. We've got all the coverage you could want here about your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Big man seems to be a position New Orleans is fairly short up on for a while. You've got Zion Williamson, one of your starting two guys in the front court. You've got Jackson Hayes, who seems to be the future of the center position for New Orleans and kind of shows off a skill set that should mesh pretty nicely, especially if he develops an outside jumper with, uh, alongside Zion Williamson. So is there a huge need to go with a big man at the 13th overall uh, with the 13th overall pick, particularly in a draft where there's going to be some good wing players in that range. There's one or two guard prospects that if you really like them, you really like them and you're going to feel really good about taking. Big man just doesn't seem to, be, seem to be the most important need for New Orleans or the spot where you can grab kind of a difference maker or a solid guy there. There is one name, however, that I'm very intrigued about and really like watching him, and that is Jalen Smith the front court player out of Maryland. This is a guy who's 6'10 with a 7'2 wingspan who can shoot and handle the ball well enough uh, and give you just enough rim protection to make him somewhat viable on the defensive side of the ball. He shot 36.8% during his sophomore year at Maryland. I don't think he's going to shoot that to that degree at the NBA level, but he should be around like a 35% three-point shooter, something like that, 34%, I think. And he gives you just enough, like everywhere else, 15 points per game. He grabbed 10.5 rebounds per game, 2.4 blocks per game. He's just all around a, a solid guy. More importantly than any of that is how he works off the ball, though. This is a dude who sets really solid screens. And because he's such a good shooter and because he's so athletic and he gets to the rim so incredibly well that 
Um, you worry about him in the pick and pop, but also in the pick and roll. So you're going to force defenders to maybe be frozen for a second. If he starts a roll to the rim, they've got to cover him. Then if he bounces back out to three-point uh, range, he might be open to take that shot because of that. You've got to respect both sides of that in the pick and roll with him, in the pick and pop. And that's a really good thing to have that kind of versatility. And those screens create space, too, for the ball handler, which giving a guy like Lonzo Ball an extra half step, trying to get him more aggressive and getting him to the rim. Maybe it needs something like that. And you just make it a little bit easier for him. So he is very strong in the sort of pick game, whether it's a pick and roll and a pick and pop. And I kind of like a dude like that. You know, he can get down low and finish with either his left or his right hand and has nice touch uh, around the rim. And overall, you've just got to really like what uh, what you see out of him. Let me play you guys a clip from Chad Ford here. Big man out of Maryland, a sophomore. Really put up great numbers at Maryland this year. 22 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two assists, two steals, two blocks. I, it's, again, a question for him about can he guard guys on the perimeter? Does he have that lateral quickness? And does he have the body strength to defend bigs uh, in the paint? His ability to like stretch the floor and to take players outside and have the soft touch that he has around the basket and, and his rebounding and shot blocking and hustle ability all are really high. And I, he's been slowly just kind of bubbling up um, in this draft again, because I think bigs that can really shoot the basketball and can protect the rim are just really intriguing. So Chad Ford says it pretty well. Can he defend on the perimeter? In a perimeter-oriented NBA, I don't know if Jalen Smith is really going to give you a ton there. I also don't think he's as good of a rim protector as the 2.4 blocks per game let on. His jump is a little bit slow. Like He just doesn't have the right timing, the right instincts. That can get better with the right coaching. And you've got to be sure that Stan Van Gundy would really work with him on that sort of thing. But he is lacking there. A little bit. He's got really good size, and that'll make up for a lot of it. And I think that made up for a lot of it at Maryland for him. But in the NBA, I don't know if he's going to give you even remotely the same kind of rim protection that he at least flashed in college. It might come with time, but he's not there. But he's going to also struggle in the in the in the pick and roll. And if he gets a guard put on him, he's going to get burned, and they're going to get to the rim. And that's a big problem because that was a big deal for New Orleans in their defense and some of the issues that we saw with that. Because that's where all of a sudden rotations have to come and all of that stuff. And that's where it gets to be a bit of a disaster for this Pelicans team. One man's got to rotate over, then another, then another, then another. And eventually teams find open guys against New Orleans in that sort of situation. If that doesn't get cut down, the defense isn't going to improve. And that makes me worried to a degree about a guy like Jalen Smith and what he's capable of doing defensively. But offensively, you like... Everything that we see from him, the shooting's good. The pick game is very, very strong. And if you're not sold on any of the wings, if you're just like, eh, whatever on some of them that are going to be there or the guards, Jalen Smith is probably a pretty solid pick and a guy that you can take at 13 and can mesh well into the front court rotation with Zion Williamson with Jackson Hayes. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team, uh, covering all things New Orleans Pelicans, whether it's draft, free agency, we did the coaching search now, and then we're going to get started for training camp. Never miss an episode. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
So what I'm about to talk about kind of ties into what we talked about in the first segment. I've been doing a lot of kind of mock drafting myself, trying to see how this might go. And I'm not going to pretend to be this incredible draft expert for you all. I watch a lot of guys and then I'll watch their college film. I'll do a bunch of research. I'll talk to a bunch of guys, but I haven't been watching them all year. I might miss some things here and there. But also with all the the media out there and all the content out there on the NBA draft, it's very easy to kind of get a feel for some of these players and how things might go. This year is really, really a little bit different. And this draft has the ability to be fairly, I think, unpredictable coming up. And it should be kind of a a lot of fun because of that. A lot of fun on draft night. We're going to go live on draft night um, on my uh, YouTube channel for everything. We'll have some fun just kind of hanging out and seeing how the night's going to go. But it definitely has shades of the 2012 draft where Anthony Bennett went number one overall and everything was just kind of a little wonky after that and or sorry the 13 NBA draft and we weren't really expecting anything like that and things just kind of went nuts from there on out through the first uh, 10 picks or so and this really has a feeling like it could do that again and I kind of like that it adds for some good drama we always love that in the NBA it'll give us a lot to talk about thank you for making my life easier for everything uh NBA and NBA draft with that too and so when doing these drafts it really is kind of eye of the beholder I'm high on certain prospects that others aren't so they go higher in my mock draft when I try and figure out needs for teams it's kind of with the players that I like the most at that similar position And some people feel differently. And that's why you're seeing guys go in a general range, but you're seeing them at the bottom of that, you know, at the top of that range and at the bottom of that range too. And that I do think means that this is going to be fairly unpredictable on draft night. I don't know if that means that it's necessarily going to lead to a lot of trades or crazy things, but with the way free agency is going to be and with the way some of the season is going to work and how things are going to come fast and furious with that, it could be. But get ready for kind of a wild night in the league, I think, as we gear up for the draft next Wednesday, so a week from Wednesday. Um, And it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I hope you'll join me live as we do that. We had people, we went live for the lottery, which was a lot of fun as well, and I enjoyed doing that. Um, So we'll make sure we do it again. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. More to come on the draft over this week and part of next week as we lead up to it. I'll talk about the actual pick I made with the 13th overall selection didn't end up trading it in our locked on NBA mock draft and all of the reasoning and everything that went into that. It was a lot of fun to do. And I always think that's a great exercise because these hosts really know what they're talking about with their own individual teams. So I think that gives us a pretty realistic expectation and night that, you know, a kind of an accurate predictor of what the night could look like. So make sure you listen to that when it goes live. So that's going to do it for this edition of locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.